31st Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 131 O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a wind child with its mother. My soul is like the wind child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. Reading the Word First reading, Malachi chapter 1. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in the clock and vows to give it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is reverenced among the nations. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart, but you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi says the Lord of hosts. And so, I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in your instructions. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our ancestors? Second reading, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 Though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for your own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day, so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it as not as a human word, but as what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you, believers. Gospel, Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. 
they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you all are students and call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Hearing the word Self-interest Over several consecutive Sundays, the Gospel readings followed the section of Matthew, focused on the critique of the Jewish leadership in its relationship to Jesus. The readings of today bring this section to a close with a discussion on the right and wrong use of one's position and a further critique of Jesus' contemporaries for their apparent self-centeredness and self-interest. The book of the prophet Malachi closes the Old Testament. It was written about 400 BC in the post-exilic period when some Israelites returned to their country from the Babylonian exile and rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Yet the restoration was only partial as they were still governed by the Persians and did not have full autonomy. For this post-exilic community, the proper religious worship in the rebuilt temple was a crucial matter as it guaranteed its continuing survival. Yet Malachi suggests that the temple cult was not conducted properly. Apparently, some of the Levitical priests neglected their duties. The chief concern for a priest was to honor God with appropriate services and sacrifices outlined in great detail in the Jewish law. One of those requirements was that the sacrificial animals must be without any blemish or deformity. It appears, however, that the priest offered defective animals, thus dishonoring God and possibly gaining material benefits for themselves. The priests were also entrusted with giving religious instructions to guide the people in matters of life according to God's covenant. It appears that some priests neglected these duties and were leading others astray. They apparently misled the people by, on the one hand, giving only partial instructions, perhaps bending the demands of the law to suit their own purposes and on the other, by their dissolute lifestyle. Such gross violations undermine the nation's integrity and will have dire consequences. Since the priests violated the covenant of the ancestors and led others to do so, God will bring a curse on the entire nation. In the words of Malachi, the priests' misdeeds and bending of the law in following their own preferences and self-interest place the nation's survival in jeopardy. The second reading presents a radically different approach 
to one's mission and position demonstrated by St. Paul. In many of his writings, the Apostle points to his complete lack of self-interest while carrying out his mission. In fact, he considered preaching of the gospel for free without asking even as much as basic support from the community as the mark of a true and authentic apostle. Writing to the Thessalonians, Paul in his typical fashion recalled the beginnings of the community which he had personally established about a year earlier. In order to emphasize his commitment to the Thessalonian Christians, he recalled his utmost care, total self-sacrifice, and the self-giving it demonstrated by working with his own hands in order not to place any burden for his upkeep on them. He did this in the interest of bringing them to faith, knowing that seeing his integrity, they will be convinced that the message he brought was genuine. Observing his utter lack of self-interest, the Thessalonians became convinced that his preaching truly contained the good news intended for their benefit and delivered through this selflessly committed servant. Paul won their hearts by his gratuitous service. The Gospel passage comes from the beginning of chapter 23 of Matthew, which contains the longest and most detailed denunciation of the Jewish leadership of the day in the entire New Testament. These opening lines outline basic differences between Jesus and his contemporaries in approach to the exercise of teaching authority. Jesus began by affirming that the leaders of the day, scribes and Pharisees, had the legitimate teaching authority. They sit on Moses' seat. Indeed, they were the religious scholars of the day and taught the law of Moses with great zeal and seriousness. Yet Jesus accused them of duplicity because their lives did not reflect what they taught. His disciples were, therefore, to do whatever they teach, but do not do what they do. But what exactly was their failure? Jesus pointed to two issues. First, he criticized their very strict and legalistic style of teaching of the Jewish law focused on minute details. According to the Jewish teachers, there were 613 commandments which every Jew ought to strictly observe. It was indeed, in Jesus' words, a heavy burden. This exaggerated focus on the details likely led many to be discouraged and to abandon the practice of the law altogether. The teachers laid those burdensome obligations on the people but were not helping to carry them through their teaching. By their strict and legalistic approach, the teachers of Jesus' day discouraged rather than encouraged people to practice their religion faithfully. Second, Jesus focused on the self-interest that the teachers and leaders pursued. They seemed to have lacked public acclaim and recognition and went out of their way to gain these. These ways included ostentatious wearing of objects of piety such as large phylacteries, leather boxes containing passages from the scripture tied to the forehead 
and to the forearm, seeking seats of honor in public gatherings, and the pursuit of public praise through elaborate greetings and demand for titles. They sought esteem and reverence in return for their work. For Jesus, the search for status, public recognition and esteem was as wrong as making people's lives difficult by unreasonable and burdensome demands. Different rules are to determine the life of his disciples. They are not to be called Rabbi, which in Hebrew literally means my great one or father, which refers to a person of supreme authority within a Jewish family or even instructor, which refers to a teacher. Jesus advocates looking at one another in a different way. His disciples are equals under one great God, who is their father with supreme authority, and they are to learn the rules for life from one master, Jesus the Messiah himself. Finally, for Jesus, relationships should focus on mutual service and humility. Humility is not about taking the lowest place, but about honest acceptance of one's place and role in the community. A person who recognizes his or her true place without seeking self-exaltation and acts accordingly will receive the appropriate and due recognition. In the readings of today, we receive a powerful lesson on the values that ought to be pursued within any community, particularly by teachers and leaders. The priests at the time of Malachi and many teachers at the time of Jesus pursued their own interests such as material benefits, honorific titles and public acclaim. Paul and Jesus both teach that self-interest and self-glorification hinder God's work in the world and lead those who pursue this to humiliation and failure. It is those who embrace and live their mission with integrity who will receive lasting recognition and appropriate exaltation. While our readings focus on priests, teachers and leaders, these lessons certainly apply to every single Christian at any station of life. For all are prone to put their self-interest before all else. The words of the psalmist provide a good prayer which every Christian should pray to avoid falling into the trap of seeking self-interest in the practice of faith. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. Listening to the Word of God Often, when we read Jesus' condemnation of the religious leaders of his time, for the many rules that they placed on their followers, we shake our heads in disbelief about the numerous and detailed laws they created and imposed on the people. Yet when you look closer at practices in our local parishes today, you often find the same tendency 
to create many rules and regulations that have little or nothing to do with the message of Jesus. These rules include such culturally based rules as appropriate dressing for women and men, hairstyles, makeup, rituals, uniforms, membership in sodalities, and many other behaviors. These are often presented as necessary in order for a person to be a good Christian. Even worse, some treat them as indications of the seriousness of one's faith in God and commitment to Christ. Equally often, such rules are used by leaders of some churches to judge other Christian communities. For example, churches that do not allow women to wear jeans or trousers are often perceived to be holier than those which do. Or, churches that require men to grow beards are considered as closer to the ideal Christian community simply because the men at the time of Jesus had beards. We must carefully distinguish between the message and the values taught by Jesus, which are necessary and binding for all Christians, and the customs and traditions, which are merely reflections of a cultural and social environment. Jesus criticized the teachers of his day because they mistook their cultural practices as God's own law. In our day, conflicts and arguments about culturally based and external expressions of faith are very common. Many Christians judge fellow believers about trivial and unimportant matters, forgetting that the core of our faith is the practice of mercy, love, compassion, and humble service. All else is of secondary importance. The rule obsessed churches and communities, deepened divisions in the Christian community, and intensify conflicts, introduce power struggle, gossip, judgments, and divisions. Even within our parishes, there are rules and regulations which are imposed on the members and then used to judge whether one is a good Christian or not. These might include demand for financial contributions, wearing a particular clothing, belonging to certain groups, and many others. If these external practices are given primary importance, then the community ends up being divided into different classes because of them. Finally, the creation and imposition of rules tends to be done by leaders and authorities to serve their own interests and for their own benefit. The message of this Sunday focuses on this aspect of rulemaking. While every community has to have rules and guidelines for its members, we must always be mindful that they are there only to help the members to live out their faith in a sincere way. The purpose of rules and regulations is to ensure that those who follow them serve God and their fellow human beings. Thus all rules that regulate external expressions of our faith must reflect the deep and sincere intention to love and serve others in humility. One camel does not make fun of the other camel's hump.
action. Self-examination. Write down some examples of the rules that you consider important and follow as expressions of your faith. Do you use these rules to judge others? Reflect whether these rules are truly important and have roots in Jesus' teaching on love, generosity, unity, and service. Response to God Confess and ask for forgiveness for the judgment and exclusion of others because of the rules that you or your church made and which do not reflect the law of love that God calls us to live by. Response to your world. Many people are afraid to come to church for fear of being judged because they do not follow the rules. Think of marginalized individuals in your community and decide on an action that you will take, no matter how small, to show them that God's love is above any human-made rules. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together with love.